This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. But here's the thing. Fighting overcomes opposition. It overtakes opposition. It does not neutralize and diffuse it. Surrender does. Love does. Right? And so, like, that's what I've realized is if I'm going to be the guy that neutralizes and diffuses, if I'm going to be the guy that unites and the gift is in the gray area, then it's not about the polarization that we need to fight against. Because fight is a power play. Right? And fight causes others to put their armor up. And so when we recognize the reality of it is we've also talked about the human experience being safe, being protected, being seen and understood and being connected. What I realized in all of this is what we actually have to pay attention to is that it has to flip. Internally, we need to surrender to allow ourselves to feel safe first. We need to assume that when we walk into an environment that we can feel safe because what happens if we don't? We put our armor up to protect ourselves. Guess what? When we put our armor up to protect ourselves, what are we preventing? The ability for somebody to see and understand us, the ability for someone else to protect us, the ability for us to feel connected. So although we may have created a safe environment for us with our own armor, we're also preventing what we actually want. This can't be it. There has to be more. Wait, am I crazy? No. If you're yearning for more and working hard to make your dreams a reality, then you're in the right place. Welcome to Dreamcatchers. It's the only show committed to helping you self-actualize and then transcend, leaving you with the legacy you've always desired. Listen in on conversations with successful philanthropists, entrepreneurs, and founders every week as we connect with them for inspiration, education, and direction. Your host, Jerome Myers, is here to help you exit the matrix and transform into a leader of your own revolution. The question is, do you believe your dreams should be real? Hey, welcome to the Dreamcatchers podcast. I've never done this before. I got my man, Brian Bogart, back with me for part two of what was a fire episode that just came out. And I really hope you listen to that episode because we talked about everything. But Brian, when we left that episode, we left off. And the final thought you gave us was who you are is perfect. Who you are is perfect. And I was like, there's no way that this is the end of the story. So I invited you back. You were gracious enough to come back. I I know you got the Who Project going on. I know you got a bunch of other things in the mix. So I'm so grateful that you're willing to come back in and and share with me in the audience. So how have you been? What's the latest? And then we can just kind of dive into some more deep discussion around how you actually can get something out of life. (laughs) Yeah. Well, so here's the thing. First and foremost, I got to say thank you, bro. 
you know, I know you're a busy guy, you're doing lots of stuff too. And you've got a lot of people I'm sure that want to be a part of your show and the platform that you're building. So, you know, for me to be able to be blessed enough to be with you twice on this venue, dude, I'm always going to say yes to helping people who help others. Like there's not even a question. So I, it's my honor to be here. And I just, I'm grateful that I've got another opportunity to hopefully add some value to you and your audience. So, man, I've been good. We, you're right. Life is very full for us right now. We have a lot going on. And, you know, I would say that largely it's all positive, but when you've got things are, when life is full, it also means there's area that you get some pain, some struggles, some knockdowns, like every single day. So, you know, since the last time I saw you, there was some more clarity moments that came into my life. I've definitely been knocked down. I've been, you know, fighting a lot in my life. And so I think that this is one of those areas where I just, I have a whole new take now on this whole concept of fighting. Right. I've been wanting to give up in moments over the last couple of weeks. I've got a whole new take on giving up. Right. So I think, you know, as it relates to like who you are is perfect, let's also pay attention and keep in mind that who you are is perfect, but your actions intentionally or unintentionally demonstrate who you are to the world. So is who you are being received in alignment with who you are by other people? Or is what they're receiving different than who you see yourself to be? I think that's something we all need to take the time to contemplate. And so in the last episode, we talked about this mirror concept and how there's lag, right? A lot of people feel like as soon as I make the change, as soon as I make the adjustment, everybody else is supposed to accept me how I am. But the reality is they've got this anecdotal evidence that you know, you are going to respond or react in a certain way because of the track record. And as we grow, as we modify, as we adjust, everybody's not going to be in tune and caught up with who we are. And sometimes we have to reintroduce ourselves. And so Mm -hmm. this is going to be really interesting, this conversation about giving up, because it it takes me to the surrender experiment and a bunch of Mm -hmm. other books that I've read where we talk about fighting and we talk about going against the flow. And, you know, some people say the only fish that goes with the flow is the dead fish. But I think the universe can take us into places that we may not be able to get into if we actually, if we pay attention, we release control and pay attention and let these doors open for us. So I'm extremely excited to hear what your take is on giving up and who knows where this thing is going to take us, but this is hot off the press, ladies and gentlemen. So it is you, hot you off better the press. buckle up. Yeah, it is hot off the press. You know, I, you, we also talked about what that looks like in the mirror and the evolution and people needing to understand, but also what I'm talking about is someone that you meet for the very first time receiving exactly who you are because of how you show up or are they receiving something that's different, right? I'll give a personal example on that, right? This just happened a couple of weeks ago. And the whole concept of fighting, the whole concept of like giving up, like are connected to pieces of this. This is just one component of a whole bunch of lessons I extracted over the course of 10 to 14 days that allowed me to see these things more clearly. So I'll give you this example. I go to this event. I'm so used as a speaker to showing up in an event and feeling like I'm one of the only ones that's actually talking about emotions and the human experience and isn't just on stage to pitch, right? And I don't say that negatively to other speakers, but I'm so conditioned around this belief system that so often I'll go in one, getting my shame triggered, feeling insecure because I might be the only one, but two, feeling the need to fight the momentum that's in the room so that people can experience it. Now, in this particular case, 
we went with four different speakers. We had four speakers in a slot lineup of, I think, 12 to 15. We moved the event, got caught up in the hype of the event, right? I was insecure. My ego started to creep in because I got caught up in the hype of things. And ego, by the way, is rooted in insecurity. It's not rooted in confidence, right? So I get there and, and another speaker comes off stage. She crushes it. I feel this connection. And I go up to her and we're having this conversation. And again, ego's creeping in. I'm blind. I'm unaware. First time I'm meeting this person. She saw my talk. She absorbed it. We felt this raw connection. And then I made a comment to her about one of the other speakers, which wasn't damaging, really. It wasn't like absolutely slanderous, but all it did was hint that this person might not be as authentic as how they're portraying themselves on stage. That's all I did was hint. But here's the thing. That's now how she identified who I was, was somebody that was going to be thinking externally about creating comments around other people. I felt the resistance and the energy and connected because I was like, oh shit, I don't make comments like that about people. I don't do this. I'm never going to bring someone down. I'm literally here to elevate and empower people. Like, how did that comment come out of my mouth? Right. And I processed it. I put it in container and I revisited it later and I processed all of it. And I just realized that those comments were not in alignment with who I am. And that's, that wasn't fair for me to project my belief system on somebody else who was consuming this other speaker for the very first time. So the next morning I went up to her and I said, I owe you an apology. She said, she said, why? I said, I made those comments to you. And I said, and I realized that what you saw isn't who I am. Those comments were not in alignment with who I am. And so I'm deeply apologetic that I got caught up in myself, allowed ego to creep in. And that's what you experienced as who I am for the very first time we met. Hopefully you'll give me the opportunity to get to know who I am beyond those comments. The world receives us based on the actions we take, the comments we make, the way that we show up, regardless of whether or not we see it in alignment with who we are. That's what they receive. So let's take ownership as well for not only owning who we are, but owning who the world receives based on the actions and comments that we take and make. So some people will say, Brian, that's not my problem. It's not my problem how they interpret the message. All I can do is share what I have to share and let them do the processing because they've got their glasses on and they've got their baggage and I can't control that. What do you say in response to that? There's an element of that that's true. And I would say that you're right in some cases. Now, in this particular case, uh, and I would say in the cases where that's true, make sure that your intent is aligned. My intent in that situation wasn't aligned in the ways that I believe in who I am. My intent in that moment was to bring another speaker down because I was insecure and my ego was there and I wanted to connect with this one that I felt so connected to. So what did I do? Instead of focusing on her, instead of focusing on me, I focused on another speaker and their credibility. My intent was not aligned with who I am. Therefore, my actions were no longer either. Now, had I gone in and I'd said something about her or about me that was coming from a great intent and she received it incorrectly, that is not my fault or my responsibility in some cases. However, I believe that we all have the opportunity to model our conversation, our words, our cadence, our tone, our delivery in a way that who is designed to receive the message has the highest likelihood of receiving it. So if we know that 80% of communication is based on how it's received, how do we control the 20% that they're going to receive? The 20% that I have control over, I can use words that will align with that person. I can use a cadence that will align with that person. I can use a tone and delivery that will align with that person as best as possible. Beyond that, I do not have control. 
But if my intent is aligned and I'm intentional now with how do I actually deliver the message, outside of that, I don't have control. So for those that say that, I agree with you. But just double check, is my intent aligned and I do everything possible to make sure that my energy and my delivery and my words were aligned as best as possible for how this person needs to receive it. Okay. And so let's dive into intent, right? Because I don't think a lot of people are living intentionally, right? They're just kind of going through. And it's interesting because we also, we talked about giving up, right? So what is intent and how does it fit into this conversation? Because you know, mean what you say, what you mean. Some people are like, oh, that's intent. But I think it's probably a little bit deeper for you. Oh, it's totally deeper than me. And it's truly like, what is the intent behind like the energy, the delivery, the words, the context, all of the above. So when I say intent in communication or how other people will receive us, I mean intent by what did I intend based on the words or action? Truly, like what did I intend to have them receive, right? So this is a great example, right? How often do you go and you actually ask for feedback for somebody and they don't actually give you feedback? They're like, oh, it's great. It's amazing. Now their intent in that case is truly to like help support you, empower you, but their actions are not telling you the truth. And how often do we actually know that their actual belief system, they're telling us what we want to hear instead of what we need to hear. Their intent was coming from a positive place, but their delivery might've actually been doing harm to us because they didn't give us the truth. What if what we asked them to review was a piece of shit and they're like, oh, it's great. We love how you're doing. Well, they're, they're doing because they're trying to help us give us some positivity, but their intent to help us is actually hurting us because they aren't giving us the insight and the perspective that we're actually requesting so that we can see ourselves more clearly. Now their intent was in a positive place, right? Not malintent. They weren't designing to hurt us, but unintentionally they were hurting us. So when we think about intent, we need to think about it, right? Like again, parents, left and right, parents all the time, right? Like parents might say like, oh, we don't talk about money. What they're intending to do is to not create like shame in their eyes or in the eyes of other people or having ego come around like, oh yeah, I make all this money. So the parents might be like, hey, we don't talk about money internally. Their intent might be good because they're like, hey, we don't do this because we aren't trying to create damage for other people. But what might they have unintentionally done, they might've created a scarcity and an unhealthy relationship with money by just that singular state. They could have created a pattern of, of lack of worth and scarcity in that person's life. Cause if I don't talk about it, I can't own it. These aren't things that we can actually, oh, right. It could create a totally unintended path and consequence. So intent to me is I will always look at the fact I will never dishonor my parents. Ever will I ever dishonor my parents? Because what I know for a fact, there's never been malintent. They have always made every decision from the time we were babies until the times that we are right now with the absolute intent on what is best for their kids. Now, does that mean that what they intended is what actually happened in many scenarios? No. Now, is that collateral like damage? Collateral damage, right? So that's the whole concept here is like when we talk about intent. What are you intending that other person to feel, right? The other thing that's true is like, we may dislike somebody completely, right? And we're fake to their face. We act like we're their friend and then we go talk shit about them behind their back, right? Now, what is my intent? My intent is to save face in that environment with that person, but I'm also intending to create damage for them when I'm actually talking to other people. So do we know, are our intents aligned with who we are? 
my intent in life is to never create damage. My intent is to neutralize and diffuse and create connection. When I make a comment that's fueled by ego and insecurity, that's meant to bring someone else down, that can create damage. That's not in alignment with my intent, but that was what my action said that my intent was. So, all right. There's always, an, there can be no good without bad. There can be no positive without negative. You are a crusader for good, right? You're a crusader for making sure that we put the people before the prophets. And so when you see something that's wrong, you're going to say something in some way, or you're going to think something, you're going to feel something because there's a visceral reaction that is stirred up in you when people are being taken advantage of. Is that enough to keep it internally or do you need to take action to fix or correct what you perceive as an injustice? I think it's all situational, truly. I think more often than not, we've talked about this before, you and I, I don't remember if it was on the last episode, but the root of all suffering is rooted in four things, right? It's the things that are left unsaid, the things that we don't feel permission to feel or say, the things we like the words to articulate or the things that are left undone. I genuinely believe if there's damage or injustice or oppression or suppression of people or situations, and we see it clearly and we have the words to articulate it, those of us that are strong enough to actually go out and do that in a way that's effective need to be positive voices to help neutralize and diffuse that. This brings us full circle, though, by the way, to the fighting and the whole giving up, because this is the whole thing that I was really realizing. So I've been fighting my whole life. What did I do in that event? I showed up and I was ready to fight. I was ready to fight the opposition. I was ready to fight the toxic messages that I'm used to receiving in some of these events. I was ready to fight the fact that like people are going to leverage these negative emotions like fears, scarcity, shame to drive people into their programs. And I'm like, I'm not going to go sell from stage. I just genuinely want to give them a different narrative to attach to. Right. I had to fight all this. Right. And here's the thing that I realized in the last couple of weeks. I've been fighting my physical pain for years. I've been fighting my anger. I've been fighting my own shame. I've been fighting to become who I am before the world told me who to be. But here's the thing. Fighting overcomes opposition. It overtakes opposition. It does not neutralize and diffuse it. Surrender does. Here we Love go. does. Right? And so like, that's what I've realized is if I'm going to be the guy that neutralizes and diffuses, if I'm going to be the guy that unites and the gift is in the gray area, then it's not about the polarization that we need to fight against because fight is a power play, right? And fight causes others to put their armor up. And so when we recognize the reality of it is we've also talked about the human experience being safe, being protected, being seen and understood and being connected. What I realized in all of this is what we actually have to pay attention to is that it has to flip. Internally, we need to surrender to allow ourselves to feel safe first. We need to assume that when we walk into an environment that we can feel safe, because what happens if we don't? We put our armor up to protect ourselves. Guess what? When we put our armor up to protect ourselves, what are we preventing? The ability for somebody to see and understand us, the ability for someone else to protect us, the ability for us to feel connected. So although we may have created a safe environment for us with our own armor, we're also preventing what we actually want. Externally, we need to focus on creating protection for others first. Create an environment for them to feel safe and then deliver on all other aspects authentically. Right? Because again, armor actually prevents the connection. And what do people get when you walk into a room with armor up? What is there? What, what happens in their world? 
They put theirs up. But they are now we're too. fighting they armor to armor. We're protecting ourselves. We're all safe, but none of us are actually protected outside of ourselves. So if we want to change our relationships, we want to change our connections, we want to change our business relationships, we want to change the way we lead our associates, we want to change the way we interact with clients, focus externally on protecting first and assume you are safe to begin with. Because then there's no walls on either side and you get to neutralize and diffuse instead of fight. You can surrender and infuse love into that environment and now all of a sudden we can move forward. This also goes back to the giving up versus giving in. Right? I wanted to give up. Truly, there are days I want to give up. Been there. I've been fighting. I've been fighting for a long time. I'm tired of fighting. I'm tired of the energy and resistance during my life. I'm just honestly tired of the resistance that exists. And bro, I've talked to you about my pain in the past, my physical pain. Guess what? The last couple of weeks, it got really bad. Week before last, I was up at 11 o'clock at night for three hours in the middle of the night doing body work because my normal two-hour routine that I'd already done that morning wasn't holding off my pain long enough. My wife calls me at 1.15 in the morning. Where are you? Hey, babe, I'm out in the gym. I'm doing body work. Okay, I'll be right there. She came out just to sit with me and to tell me that I'm not alone, right? She literally diffused that feeling of resistance and energy with love right there. And it also allowed me to realize when I told her that night, right, that I've been wanting to give up. She reminded me that I wasn't alone, but I, it also led me to believe, like, how often does our pain convince us that we're in it all alone, right? I don't care. I mean, this was physical pain in my case, but mental pain, emotional pain, spiritual pain, physical pain. I don't really care which category is in. How often does our pain make us feel like we're all alone? How often does our pain make us feel like we're isolated, lacking the protection we desire, lacking safety, lacking the ability to be seen and understood, lacking what we all truly desire, which is connection. Again, it all comes full, full circle. Giving up has a negative connotation. It was just driving me crazy because I was saying, I want to give up. I want to give up. I want to give up. But I realized that giving up is actually surrender. So what I was able to realize that it was actually in these moments that I wanted to give up, what I was wavering on was not whether or not to give up. It was whether or not to give in, give into the pressure, give into the pain, give into the narratives of the world. But I can also give up those things. I can give up the narratives of the world and lean further into mine. I can give up my perceptions on my pain and heal my relationship with myself. I can give up the feeling and need to fight everything and experience a smoother life. So giving up, being surrender is actually the whole point. And it comes back full circle to the question that you asked, which is like, how do we connect? How do we have conversations? Like whose fault is it? Fuck. If we just center ourselves in the moment right now, being where our feet are and understanding the concepts that make up the human experience, the faster we become free. A lot of people want to unlock their ultimate potential, but lack the strategy, support, and stamina necessary to achieve their major goals. They often try to overcome these challenges by trying to do it on their own, causing frustration, fatigue, and eventually failure. We have developed a model for a center life, aka the red pill, to help them bolster their beliefs, gain clarity on their path to success, and provide accountability as they take action on their goals. When they take the red pill, they rapidly accelerate attainment of their goals and begin to experience a life of significance and impact. Want to find out more? Hop over to JeromeMyers.co. Now, let's get back to the episode. Talking my language, you're talking about freedom now. So it's interesting because people feel like they have to fight for their freedom. You're saying no, (laughs) you don't. Surrender is uh, by the, the answer. Way, but that concept is like literally in the last couple of weeks or month in my life because I've been fighting for 36 years, bro. 
So I'm sitting here literally communicating that I now believe that my whole entire makeup and belief system on the need to fight opposition, fight suppression, fight all of these negative energies. No, no, no. Neutralize and diffuse them. We don't need to overtake them. We need to neutralize and diffuse them and recognize that if we actually can bring all of the armor down, our own and others, there's actually not a whole lot to fight about. We're not that different. No. We're not that different. And so many people feel like, oh, they're extremists and we're understanding and da 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 But you're not. <laughs> like, if we could just neutralize and diffuse. Do you have tools? Are there tools for this? Well, it's interesting that you reference tools because I truly think that the path to be able to trust, surrender, and breathe, to neutralize and diffuse, to move forward, to stop fighting, it's rooted in creating AI, ironically enough. So listen to this concept for a second, okay? What does AI allow us to do? It allows us to better predict patterns. It allows us to have things working for us, whether or not we're actively working in it. It allows us to better connect with people. It allows us to better connect who we are in the world. It allows us to create systems and processes that allow us to move faster with less effort, right? AI, like it's this greatest trend. It's like blowing up. Everybody's trying to figure out how do I leverage AI? Oh, but by the way, brother, I'm not talking about artificial intelligence. I'm talking about awareness and intentionality. (laughs) The question I have for everybody is how are you creating awareness in your life? How are you creating intentionality in your life? Because that's going to be the path. Whoa. All right. So awareness and intentionality. And this goes back to our first conversation. But so we talked about intention already. Let's talk about awareness. Yeah. So I know that we've talked little bits about this in the past, but awareness is where it all starts because we can't be intentional with what we're not aware of. Right. And what's interesting about this concept of AI is that we are actually already operating under AI. If you think about it, our minds process 11 million bits of information per second, but we're only consciously aware of about 40. So what does that mean? All but 40 are on autopilot. They're already being operated by AI. It's happening for you. It's all the patterns, the way that we lean into things, the way we communicate, the way we react in situations, the way that we move through life. It's already on autopilot. It's already being leveraged by AI. So we can allow AI to control us, or we can create our own AI, our own level of awareness and intentionality. So how does that start, right? Awareness is like one of the greatest things. It's also one of the greatest buzzwords. And it drives me crazy because awareness for awareness sake isn't always the answer, right? What we know, and I'm total, oh, Dr. Tasha Yurik has a line that I will quote here. She says, when awareness is used for people to just become more aware of all the ways they should be judging themselves, that's when it bites us. Right. So awareness just to see all the ways that we are broken and understanding why we're broken only keeps us perpetually circling the drain to just feel worse about ourselves. But awareness for intentional sake, to be able to use with purpose, allows us to be future focused and objective. It's allowing us to understand what to do based on the lessons we can extract from our lives. And what I learned through all of this as well is again, awareness really comes down to it's not just about using our life as a lesson based on the past but also in the present. Like all of the lessons each and every one of us need 
are within you and within your life. It's not just in the past, but in the present. So what amount of data are you actually collecting through your level of awareness and how are you processing through it? Because if we understand that it's all about the lessons that we extract from our lives, right? We have to become aware of what those are and then become intentional with how do we apply them in our lives. That's how we break patterns. That's how we break cycles. That's how we see ourselves more clearly. That's how we fix relationships. That's how we grow better businesses. That's how we develop better systems to grow and scale and leverage our teams. Truly, right? It's all through our ability to access data and process it more effectively. So we are already looking and learning through all these things, but the reason people create all these new patterns is because they repeat the same cycles because they don't actually take the time to extract the lessons from their lives. That's all awareness is. Awareness is rooted in just that. And so the faster we can become aware of the lessons we can extract from our experiences, the faster we can become intentional to remove the resistance and the energy drain we experience so often and repair the damage that we create daily, often unintentionally. And by doing this actively, we've got the opportunity to truly experience life for what it actually is rather than how our pain has caused us to view it. So awareness is rooted in pausing to see, am I capturing all the data points that I need to make the decision based on what's happening right in front of me? Or is the world and my prior patterns allowing me to see my current situation for something different than it is? (laughs) Okay, so this is crazy. You're saying to process the data in real time Mm -hmm. instead of going back and reflecting on it, instead of just reacting, like you, you insert this pause, this space for processing, then you respond instead of react. As real time as you can, right? So here's the thing. I gave you that example of what happened at the event, right? Could I actually process that real time? No, but I didn't feel right to me. So what did I have to do? I had to pause long enough to recognize that it was out of alignment with who I am. And I had to put it into a container to revisit later. Then I processed it later that night. Within 24 hours, I had removed the resistance and energy drain from my life because I saw potential damage that I'd created and I sought to repair it proactively. What would most people do? And by the way, this isn't a brag on me. This isn't like, oh, Brian's so great. He did this. It's just that I don't want any more resistance and energy drain in my life. And I don't want to create any more damage from this point forward. And I know I'm going to. So the faster I repair it, the better. So within 24 hours, instead of just being like, oh, she probably didn't think twice about that comment. We'll just go have a relationship. We'll build a friendship. We'll find a way to do it. While knowing that comment might always be in the back of her head, like, can I really trust this guy? Within 24 hours, I was able to clear the resistance and energy drain because I was like, oh, yeah, that was out of alignment with who I was. And just by making the apology, you know what she said to me? She's like, I see exactly who you are based on the actions you just took. And she said, what you showed me is who you are as human. Because you made a mistake, but you also sought to repair. Wait, we're... We're missing a part of this. You're so far ahead of us. All right. You said you don't want any more energy drain, and there was an and in there too. Resistance and and energy drain. Resistance and energy drain. And so any wrong, any destruction that you create, you feel leads to resistance and energy drain. Yes. And so you need to alleviate it as quickly as possible. Repair it, not alleviate it. Repair Repair it. it. Where did that come from? Where did the repair concept come from? Yes, because most people, I mean, you know, spilled milk. It's water under the bridge. Ah, They'll get over it. Well, I mean, we went deep on emotional triggers last time, I'm pretty sure, right? We talked about own and aware, or sorry, be aware and then own it, right? So I think the repair comes in the ownership stage. 
because the repair truly comes from anywhere that there's creative damage. So for me, this concept of repair came truly in my own self and in my own house, right? I talked a little bit about the anger that I discovered six months ago that was happening in my own house, right? And the ability for me to actually have to start to move through that. Well, guess what? I'd created 12 to 14 years of damage in my household, right? If I don't fix the holes in the ship that I'm sailing, I'm going to sink regardless of whether or not I have the ability to build a new ship. I literally had cannonballs flown through my house because of me. And I'm, this is a true, like, actual analogy. I've never broken anything in my house. I don't throw stuff. I don't break things. So this is truly an analogy. But what did I break? I broke the ability for my family to feel safe. I broke sometimes their psyche, their emotional state, their mental state, just because of the energy I put into the household. That's damage. So to sail across the ocean with holes in the bottom of their ship that I created. So I can repair that and let my kids and my wife sail free, or I can still allow them to keep taking on water from the damage that I created. And I mean, there's nothing more clear that you've, pulled out the pitch in the tar and fixed the holes than a one plus AM trip to the gym just to sit and watch and show that I'm here to support. Like that doesn't happen with the Holy Shep. And by the way, before my anger, six months ago, eight months ago, my wife would have never come out and sat with me at one. So that's where it came full circle was truly at one o'clock on the floor in my gym, when my wife came out to tell me that I'm not alone and we're going to figure this pain out together. So that's exactly where the concept of repair came full circle is I started creating repair and I've created many amounts of repair for six months in my house to the point that to your point, my wife didn't have a leaky ship. She was able to sail right into where I needed her, right into the cove where I was sitting, needing the help. And we were able to sail out together. And, you know, I find this with Apex performers, right? They, and this whole concept is, oh my gosh, it's crystallizing for me. But I find with Apex performers that usually nobody's coming in to support them. They're always sourced for everybody else. They have their leaky ships and so fix the thing and they go out, but nobody's coming in to just hang out and make sure you're okay or any of the other things. And so that part is where... I think most of us get trapped because then the ego comes. I don't need help from anybody. The ego says, you know, there's nothing that you can do for me. We're at two different levels. One What's the ego rooted in too, though? I don't know. Tell Insecurity. Me. Why do people not ask for help? Because they're afraid to let their wall down. They're afraid to let their protection down long enough because they're afraid someone else might not actually be able to protect them. It's all rooted in the human experience. Ego and our ego not allowing ourselves to receive help is because we don't believe that we're going to be safe and protected, seen and understood by the other person. And so we keep our armor up and say, no, I'm good. I got it. That's where my intellectual narrative came from from 13 years following my accident. I'm good. I'm strong. I'm capable. I can do anything myself. And when I rebroke my arm snowboarding at age 20 and I went 10 months with my arm hanging by my side, guess what? Nobody was there. Not because they didn't love me, not because they didn't care about me, but because my intellectual narrative they bought into. And I didn't have the courage when I was most vulnerable to actually ask for help. Guess what? Why? Because I was insecure. Can I actually surrender help to somebody? 
No, I'll just fight through it myself. Again, it's not about fighting. It's about surrender. And you surrender to receive help because you can't give what you don't have. You can't give what you don't receive. You can't pour from an empty cup. So at the end of the day, you have holes in your ship that are causing you to be an empty ship in an empty cup. Or do you have some reserves to pour out? And who is actually helping you fill yours? So this is scary, right? Because now the person out there who is living in this space is saying, yeah, Brian, that's great. But every time I ask for help, people don't follow through. They let me down. I realize that I should have just done it myself. The narrative is proven out every single time. So stop asking the same people that continue to let you down for help. Find new people. It's not that complicated. Or challenge those relationships to say, look, I do all these things for you. And and we need to make sure that we challenge and change the way this relationship can go because I'm getting hurt just by being friends with you and I continue to feel let down. So either remove them from your life, repair that relationship because they are letting you down for some reason or another, or find new people. Any of the above will help you move forward. But I know people can give you help if you find the right ones. And this is the thing that perpetuates the ego, right? We stay in these relationships that are mutually beneficial because they feed our ego because we are superior. We are above on this pedestal. And we got these people who can't actually contribute to our life. And and by the way, we're alone and isolated on top of that pedestal because our protection and our armor has actually prevented what we desire most, which is connection, safety, trust, seeing and understanding, all of the above, right? So yeah, great. I'm going to stand on a fucking pedestal, but I'm going to be there alone. Awesome. Turtle on the fence post. (laughs) That's not the shit I want. By the way, I've been there before. I've been on that fucking pedestal. I've been up there alone. Shit, I was in my gym at one o'clock in the morning all alone. And had I not done the repair in my own household, in my own relationship, I would have been sitting there at one o'clock in the morning still alone. But because I put the effort into repair, I didn't have to have armor up and neither did my wife. And she was able to come in and make me feel safe. Make me feel seen and understood. Make me feel connected. Again, it all comes full circle, bro. Let's go deeper, man. So, because a lot of people will say repair is, oh, well, I'm sorry. You know, I didn't mean that. What does repair mean? I think it's actually apologizing regardless of what is meant. I think you have to literally take ownership for those comments. Because when you do that, if you say, I apologize, I'm sorry that you're, you know, I'm, I'm really sorry. That's not what I meant. Sorry you felt right? that way. If you just say, I said something that I'm not proud of and I apologize. If the words didn't come out the way you meant it, is that your fault or theirs? And if you're saying that's not what I meant, are you protecting yourself through the apology or are you surrendering to it completely? I don't think repair is repair when it comes with caveats or for justification that what I did wasn't actually that bad. There's no way out. Like you got to own the whole thing. Oh, weird, right? I just did this with an exercise with somebody last week. And I said, look, like they're getting caught. They're getting stuck. It's like, oh man, I have all these bad patterns. Okay, cool. I want you to go back as far as you can remember to every situation that you think you've ever been, every situation you think you got the short end of the stick, every single one, every time you think you got the short way, the hard way, the life gave it to you hard, every single one. I want you to write them all down on a piece of paper. And I want you to force yourself to sit there as hard as it's going to be and force yourself to find how those situations were your fault. Force yourself to see ownership because here's the beautiful part. Whether or not that's true doesn't even matter. It's about understanding the bookends, right? If their side is this person's a bad person, they screwed me. And your side is that person's a bad person, they screwed me. 
There's no moving forward until one of you can at least acknowledge that you see the other side. But they, I don't want, I don't want to see the other side. I know I'm right. Yeah. So I'll give you another example. It's the exact same experience. There was a performance at the end. They mixed education and entertainment and they did, they launched an album at this event. It was magical. And the mom of the guy running the event had her song that she wrote. And she started having to call her mama like six hours into the event. Like we just connected. I was exhausted, right? Her performance was the end of the night. I get a text from my chief growth officer like, hey, she's about to go on. I was getting in bed. Okay. I threw my clothes back on. I sprinted down to the convention hall. I got there after the song started. I heard most of it. So what happened? I wanted to make sure she knew I was there. She knew I was there. That was a selfish motive, by the way. Right. I wanted to give her love and admiration to congratulate her for what she'd done. That's not selfish, but making sure that she knew I was there, that was selfish. So what did I do? I J-hooked at the end of the performance around to where she was as she's getting off stage. And I approach her from behind and I put my arm on her. She turns around with pure excitement and joy. And someone else swoops in, takes the hug, says, this is my hug. Well, I got a little upset. Now, I didn't show it in the moment. I bounced off of it. I like made a scene. I was like, take it, take it, take it. And I like disappeared into the audience. Now, mama came full circle and came and gave me a hug. Beautiful moment. That part was accomplished. But I was pissed. I was angry. I was like, how dare that person like take that moment from me? How dare that person cut me off? Then a good friend of mine, as we were processing this later, was brave enough to help me see the other perspective. I didn't see it before. And by the way, he wasn't even sure this was correct. He's like, but what if there was a line that was formed for people who wanted to give her a hug? What if you just cut off the entire line? What if they were waiting patiently and your hype and energy coming into that room and that J-hook approaching from behind actually demonstrated selfishness and like you're trying to do this in spite of everybody? Else? What if? Now, I don't know what happened. I really don't. But the what if was enough for me to diffuse and actually neutralize the situation and repair. So what did I do? I, saw, I waited for her in the hallway the next morning. First thing, I walked up to her. Big name. I'm not even going to say who it is because it doesn't matter. But her chief of staff was with her, right? And I went up to her and I said, I owe you an apology. She looked at me. What do you mean? I said, last night I got caught up in the hype. I was totally consumed in myself. I swooped in for that hug and I didn't even see that you or others were waiting. And I said, so I apologize. I swooped in. That was your hug. Now, she did have some negative energy when she first saw me. Her energy shifted as soon as I said that. She acted as if it didn't happen and it wasn't there. But then what did she do? She immediately leaned in and gave me a hug. She's like, you know what? It was all about giving love to mama. And she said, so that part was accomplished. And I said, yes, but I never want to give love to someone at the expense of someone else. And my blindness might have created that for you. And I just wanted you to know I'm sorry. I didn't justify to say, I was just trying to give mama love. She actually did that for me after I apologized. Now, again, this could have been something that never turned into anything. It could have never been an issue. It wasn't a significant situation, but it was enough that I was like, you know what? If I can challenge myself to see the other side, whether or not I'm right, because it doesn't matter. Again, being right or wrong is a matter of fighting, not surrender. If I can just surrender to the fact that the situation might have happened differently than I perceived it. How can I repair through this relationship based on my actions and how this person received me that wasn't in alignment with who I am? Make sense? Total. <laughs> Brian, I, man. So AI is the way. AI is the way. AI is the way. I'm telling everybody. 
By the way, a Bogart's Bullets dropped today on AI. So you got to go watch that, my friend. I will, man. Brian, this has been phenomenal. I, I don't know what you could possibly say to take it to the next level, but I would love to have a, a closing thought for the audience, man. I want everybody to stop looking outside for the answers. Everything you need is already in you and in your life. The lessons that you need, the perspectives that you need. I want you to reflect on how are you creating awareness? How are you creating intentionality? How are you creating protection in your lives and the lives of those around you? How are you creating safety in your lives and the lives around you? How are you creating opportunities for others to be seen and understood in your life and the, and the lives around you? And how are you creating opportunities for connection in your life and the lives around you? How are you studying your life? How are you applying the lessons from your life? Again, everything you need is already in you and your life. The question is, are you going to take the time to discover it? Trust, surrender, breathe. Trust, surrender, breathe. Three words tattooed on my arm, brother. That's it. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope you have actually taken some notes on this one. I don't say that very often, but there is so much gold here that I encourage you, if you didn't, start over, (laughs) pull out your notebook and go through. Because if you implement these things, you're going to change the energy in your life. And that energy in your life is the thing that's either in the way or pulling you closer to all the things that you desire to have. Ryan said he doesn't want any energy drain in his life. And so he goes through and anytime that he knows that he did something that was not true of his character, that he does what he can to repair it. Doesn't leave himself an out, but fully own it. And then leans into it. And it seems in every chance he's, been extended some grace and some forgiveness in it. I think if you can do that, you can create a different experience than what most others will even begin to dream of having. So Brian, thank you so much. And to the listeners, your dreams should be real. We'll talk soon. Thank you for joining the tribe today. We would love to hear from you. Please don't forget to rate, like, and share. Perhaps someone you know could benefit from what we've discussed. Until the next time, remember that your dreams should be real.